Hello, hello, hello. My name is Courtney Turner, and you are listening to Bluegrass Community Foundation's Do Good Radio Hour. Now, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you've probably heard me mention BGCF 365, which is an organization I am personally a member of where every member donates $1 a day to make our community better. And if you've ever thought, even for a second, that sounds really cool, I might be interested in learning more, I've got great news for you. The BGCF 365 Winter Event is happening February 23rd from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. in the App Harvest Kitchen in Grayline Station, and it is going to be the place to get started with 365. We are going to be having fun while connecting with other new local philanthropists, and we'll be joined by Kentucky Youth Advocates to get a big picture view on our 2023 grant theme, Youth Development and Wellness. You, your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors, strangers, anybody you know is invited to join us, and that's February 23rd at 5.30 p.m., and you can learn more about 365 and this winter event at bgcf.org slash bgcf365. Today's guest is truly one in a million. The care he brings into every project he's involved in is immeasurable, and hearing him speak both to a large crowd and in a one-on-one conversation is both refreshing and incredibly motivating. Here is Shay Brown. Sing your happy tune. 
can Marcia. see he's in the dark, so. Now what classes are you teaching? Okay, um. I'm gonna put these on. You don't have to wear them if you don't want to, but I'm oh, just gonna make okay. sure okay. we can hear everybody. Oh, I can, can you? oh. Yeah, I can hear you. Easy? If you wanna put those headphones on, you'll be able to hear me. I can hear better. Maybe. Hello, can you hear me? Oh, I sure can. <laughs> Isn't that nice? Oh, yes, it's yeah. like really. It feels very official. Yeah. Sound like I'm talking loud. I can hear myself. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Ooh, now it's, st now yeah. it's static. Okay. Is that good? Okay. That's good. If you need to turn it up or turn it down, you've got that little knob right there. It is a broken knob, but it still works. It used to have like a little thing on it, but it broke off. Okay. Oh, that yeah. works. There you go. So what classes are you teaching? Ooh. Oh, it cut in and it uh -oh. cut off again. Uh, wait a minute. Yeah. There we go. Is that better? Yes. Weird. Okay. Uh, UK decided to do a history course called Black Environmental Struggles Freedom. Okay. Freedom Struggles class. Mm -hmm. And they're coming in and we're working with them to learn about uh, slave records, black communities that were set apart strictly for black neighborhoods. Mm -hmm research and deed restrictions as well that l restricted black people from living in certain areas. Mm. It's about a month uh, course, and uh, it's, it's going pretty good. Yeah. Tell me about the clerk's office. I've never been in there, mm -hmm. but I've heard that the clerk's office is the place to be. I've been there for 23 years. I've okay. seen a lot of changes at the clerk's office. Clerk's office is a pretty good place. Um, we renew car registrations. We register people to become voters, transfer car titles, uh, put uh, file liens on vehicles. And the section I'm at is land records. And in land records, we record uh, permanent record documents uh, such as marriage license and certificates notary bonds, uh, deeds, mortgages, uh, wills that have been probated when someone is, uh, after they've deceased, mm -hmm. uh, corporate documents, fixture filings, a little bit of variety of legal documents by statute that are to be recorded. Mm -hmm. uh, it is the place to be. Uh, <laughs> we have moved into a new day of technology to where uh -huh. a lot of our customers can do a lot online especially in land records. Mm -hmm. Which we are going to get into okay. in just a little bit for sure. Ah. But I want to take you back really quick to last summer okay. on the steps of the courthouse when the Digital Access Project was being announced. It was a very hot day. Yes. yes and you was. Was tore the house down. That was the first time I saw you, first time I heard you mm -hmm. speak. And everyone, people who weren't even at the press conference, were stopping just to listen because just the way that you speak is so powerful. There's no way that somebody can hear you and not listen to you. Where does that come from? Uh, I can first say thank you. I don't realize that when I speak. Honestly. You should realize that. People listen I, to you. I am by vocation a pastor. Okay. Been a pastor for 16 years okay. at a church called Pleasant Valley Baptist in Lancaster, Kentucky. Mm -hmm. I am the dean of religious education for the Baptist Unified Christian Leadership Conference, which is part of the General Association of Baptists in Kentucky. It's the oldest 
black organization of Baptist churches since 1865. Mm. So I lead the educational courses for it. I, uh, first year into it, I was the assistant, and I'm the actual dean. Trying to combine that and work and a little bit of everything, I, I have always had a gift of speaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking one-on-one, it, it seems more difficult with me. Sure. Uh, just because, I don't know, I just, words and my upbringing, country accent, all of that. But when I concentrate and speak in front of an audience, a group of people, or share a passionate presentation that I think mm-hmm. that can benefit the likelihood of community and people, they often say my speaking is a little bit different. It's the best. Yeah. And I feel the same way. I can speak in front of hundreds of people, no problem. But Mm -hmm. when I'm having a one-on-one conversation, my hands get really sweaty. Like, I get nervous. I do, too. I don't know what that is. I wonder wonder why we do that. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't know if I try to focus more with the person or on – I don't know. Mm -hmm. Now, where are you from originally? Originally from Lincoln County, Lincoln Kentucky County. back in 1780 was broken up in three counties, mm. Fayette County, which is where I work at and live, Jefferson County, which is Louisville area, and Lincoln County. And Lincoln County is about an hour south from Lexington. That's okay. where I grew up. That's where I'm from. They, I'm from two of the historical places in Kentucky, Lincoln County and obviously live and work in Fayette County. I did not know that. Yes. That's really cool. Yes, three counties, 1780, part of the Virginia. We Kentucky came out of Virginia, uh-huh. Commonwealth area of Virginia. That's why we're the Commonwealth state, mm. but we only had three counties. So what brought you to Fayette County? Uh, college. I went to Sullivan University, and um, scholarships sent me there, and I graduated uh, in legal studies. So okay. I have a legal studies background of law and research law and understanding of law. So is that kind of how your path got started toward the clerk's office? It is. When I graduated, the land records department was looking for a paralegal type, a mm-hmm. legal person with legal training to help um, navigate the law and understand the laws and kind of work on. We we put together like a law booklet like to help assist county clerk's offices throughout the state. I didn't per se write it, but I was mm-hmm. part of proofing it and having a lot of input on the laws and case laws and statutes going into each version since I started. I started on in March of 20, uh, March of 2000. Mm-hmm. Okay. There have been so many cool things that you've gotten to do since your time at the clerk's office. Oh, yeah. Two that I desperately want to talk about. The first is the Digital Access Project because in the past, gosh, three months, we've had mm-hmm. Vanessa Holden. Mm-hmm. Dr. Holden, yes. We've had yes. Yvonne Giles, who's yes. the love of my life. Yes. We have had Debron Thomas, who yes. is fantastic. And now we have you here. And I'm not saying that that's like divine intervention, but it could be because you all are so intertwined in this project. Give us your perspective on what DAP is. A digital access project is a project of passion of heart. In 
2016, uh, there was some, and I, we can get more in it later about the marriage records. Yes. But that's what triggered something to where we where I focused more on the records. For 23 years, which is where I've been there now, I spent a lot of time in our vault looking at our records, throwing it inside out. Not only that, but I've helped with the records at the courthouses, um, uh, the urban county government records and other county clerk offices, their records. So um, I was just, people kept throwing out ideas of what can we do? The books are heavy and trying to lift them up. They're dirty. They're falling Miss apart. Yvonne. Yes. That's what she said. That's what she said. <laughs> and I, the books that are falling apart, I have to wait till they're real bad to mm-hmm. um, ask, get funding. We, we use the money to buy new books and I repair them. But that's a lot of work, mm-hmm. trying to repair book after book after book. So what can we do to make it easier? Well, the CD was talking to me. The CD said, well, is there one book with all the slave names? I said, no. No. It, it could have been back in the day, but right now, no. This is mm-hmm. the books we have. They said, well, sh- let's go and let's get a few names. Well, they found out there's more than a few names. It's a bunch of records. And they said, well, how about we get them digitized? I said, yeah. Then the pandemic came. Oh, no. And then... <laughs> I thought, well, that's it. What are we going to do? That was a great idea. Yeah, great (laughs) idea. That's too much work anyway, Mm -hmm. like everybody else says. Right. And then, lo and behold, boom, he reached out and said, what about this project? Here's some grant money. Here's some funding. Let's start digitizing them. And talk with the county clerk, Don Blevin Jr. at that time, and talk with Meredith, the land records manager. They on board because I know the records, know the books, know how to do it, know how to get it started. And they set me aside to be supervising director from the clerk's office. Dr. Holden directs it from the UK in. And all the team, we got Devron and Kathy Newfon, Amy Morell Taylor, Anastasia, Lex Park, and Lowen Park, and, and all the wonderful DAP workers we have to come in and digitize. So DAP, to me, is taking information and making it more accessible mm. to the public to meet today's demands. Mm modernized through digitized is what I call it. Now, I do have two questions stemming from that. Number one, DeBron was talking about it a little bit, but people used to say that these records didn't even exist. That is true. That is true. How did that even, how did that even happen? Well, one thing I, I tell people, when it comes to the history books of slavery, we know it existed. We know the, the the struggles with the Indians and Jewish people and all of that, we know it through books and research and information. But the one thing most people didn't realize is that in government records, especially county clerk offices throughout the state of Kentucky, there are names of black people incorporated, uh, documented in these records of that constitute slavery. Mm. And most students don't take a field trip to the clerk's office. They don't go through old records that handwriting is old colonial style it, it is cursive but it's a deeper language a of different cursive. kind yeah, yeah. different type of cursive hard to read and and once you expose the public to that and know that no uh black people at that time were sold they were auctioned off they were put on the auction block to be sold they were wheeled at a deceased person's estate they were put up as collateral to secure debt and guess what? They're in government records. Mm. That leads me to my next question. How in the world are you all doing this? Because with that old English type of cursive writing, nothing is typed. 
everything is handwritten, scanning all of that, transcribing all of that. How is that happening? Uh, well, right now, uh. I can honestly be thankful to say we're on phase one. Okay. Phase one is digitizing them. Mm-hmm. And we, we're digitizing all the records. Uh, we got a note. All those records, some of the pages are hard to read. I'm sure. Uh, you got to think they've been in the office for so long. Different courthouses we had, different moving around, humidity levels of Back in the day, they 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 smoked in the vault, so right. you see cigarette burn marks, uh, coffee spill stains. So it's hard to capture all of that. So a good transcription will help with that. Number one, number two, books falling apart, they're dusty. So we're trying to get them digitized, get them out there. That's our number one goal. Trying to provide the best images because one thing we can do is offer the images online. Mm-hmm. And people can have access. You just go to the indexes, find the book it's in, and the page, and you just gotta click, scroll, keep clicking through that book. Like if it's D book A, right. page two hundred, go to book A, and keep scrolling through till you get two hundred. That's that's be simple. Right. But for people to be able to read it, to retrieve different metadata information, that's gonna take a skill of reading and deciphering. And some of the words or what they meant for terminology then. We got to explore what they are, what they meant in that time period. What What is it like a, um, uh, a scuff box, for instance? I didn't know what scuff box what is, is, but a scuff, scuff box? box is like, I learned it from one of my uh, workers, uh, a good history major, Mason, said, well, scuff box when the rich people would put their tobacco in. Not like the chewing tobacco today, but they would put it in that, and then they would put it on the corner of their hand and, and sniff it. And, and that's what a scuff box is. Somebody left a scuff box in their will to one of their relatives. And a scuff box is really expensive item back then. Uh-huh. So, I mean, no one knows today. So we got to know if we transcribe scuff box, I thought it was scuff box, a cup box. Right. Or, or what is that? But it's a scuff box. And so what <laughs> so does, that's what it is. so phase two is going to be Reading all of Phase this? Phase two will be all the bad records. Uh, I'm brainstorming and thinking as we meet with the team and mm-hmm. go forward. The bad records that's still hard to get good quality, it's best to transcribe it all. Because right. you can look at the image on the computer, blow it up as large as you can and read it. And if it's hard to read, then you go to the book and look at it. And some of the words protrude in the gutter of the book, the middle. And the only way you can get it is take the book apart, but... It doesn't justify tearing a book apart just for that. So looking at the physical copy as well as the enhanced image, come up with a good transcription. Read it. I I know how to transcribe. Uh, One of the workers I work with um, who's on our project leading, he he graduated from UK. He can transcribe. We'll get some other transcribes. I'm going to teach people how to transcribe and read that. And uh, Dr. Holden, a lot of UK has people they can work with to transcribe. And we're going to transcribe it. And we're going to start off doing pieces of different important information from each document. Right. But the bad documents, it's best to get a full transcription. Do you feel, I, I don't know the best way to ask this, do you feel pressure doing this project? It feels heavy and it feels so important. And you're kind of the the leader of at least like the the tangible scanning transcribing 
Is that scary for you? Not really. Pressure, no. Okay. Because it's a need for it. Yes. And anytime I know that there's a need for something, I kind of, I don't, I hate to use the word program, but I kind of program myself to see the bigger cause. Right. And look beyond the bigger picture and see what it's worth. So when I do that, everything's fine. There, there, there goes the pressure. Right. But knowing some of the challenges, because I think one county in another state in North Carolina somewhere did a project to this magnitude. Uh, some people can easily scan old records, documents, transcribe them. But we're literally looking at the late 1700s to, through 1865, and that's a lot of records. That's a lot of records. That's a lot. A lot of over 60 thousand pages 61 plus thousand but it can be done right if we focus take breaks and do it it can be done because i understand the bigger picture by completing it so the pressure no scary is what can go wrong in between to slow down the progress Mm -hmm. uh you always have COVID issues in the back of your mind you always think about funding and thinking about having people available to do this and people who care. All those things could, could be scary and knowing who cares other than a few people. Right. And the other thing is it is a process where it's going to take a while. There's not really like a definitive end date that you all are looking forward to. It's no. just kind of you know the work is done when you know the work is done. That's true. That's mm-hmm. true. But what will help the public, number one, is they will be digitized. Yes. Number two, they will be available. Yes. And so those who already have a reasonable skill or professional skill of reading these records and getting copies and using it for whatever purpose they need it, they will have access. Mm. That's better than just coming in our office. That's the only way you can have access. But now... We're going to make it available when, 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 when I get the word and to go edit. We're going to put it online. That's it. Uh, new county clerk, Susan Lamb, she's she's with this project. Uh, Land Records Manager Meredith with this project. We own page, our computer department, myself, and in UK, we, we're all ready for it. We're going to do it, mm. put it out there, but the transcription will take some time. Sure. Now, it's... You, you kind of touched on it just a minute ago, but it's Black History Month. It's also the month of love with Valentine's Day. Yay. <laughs> you worked on a project that kind of combined both of those celebrations. That's true. Tell us about true. that. In the summer of 2016, uh, the Special Collections Department at UK, Library UK area, uh, wanted to... Um, do a project, a pilot project, partnered up with the Fayette County Clerk's Office to digitize our colored marriage indexes. And so um, Meredith and I met with them. We agreed to do this. Uh, We met with our county clerk. He agreed. In order to make it happen, the county clerk's office is the custodian of the records. I like that. Yeah, we're the record keeper. Yeah. We, We don't want anybody to gain access by taking them out of the office, tearing the pages, altering and anything, no matter who it is, we are the record keeper. Mm-hmm. So to make this happen, we reminded UK, you can't just come and get the books and take them with you. Mm-hmm. You haven't been deputized is what I call it. So, <laughs> so how can we make this work? So what I did is each volume, there was four volumes, I physically made sure that uh, everybody knew I took it out, took the volumes to UK, 
to their building, to their section uh, on campus, gave it to them, and let them digitize them. They kept it. They digitized them. When they're finished, they called me. I went to pick it up, and I dropped another volume off. Mm. I kept doing that until the four volumes was digitized. And then they set it up on Explore UK. So you go to Explore UK. Um, now you can type in the search column colored marriages, and it pulls up the indexes. That's helpful now because uh, people will have to come in our office and go through the books and find the booking page, find the information, and then go to the book. So to save time, we have the indexes available through UK Palette Project. Mm. And can you touch a little bit on the importance of having these accessible, not just the marriage license, which is so cool and I think it's so lovely, but the record, the land records through DAP, these marriage license, what does it mean for people to be able to look through them? And what impact do you think that's going to have on future generations? It one, in order to do better in the future, you got to understand history. Kentucky's history was strange when it comes to marriage records. Mm. Um, in on Valentine's Day, February the 14th, 1866, Kentucky law allowed black marriages to be registered in the same way white marriages were, but they have to be separated. And 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 what it did is in eight, in February 14, 1866, black people who were living together as married couple before the Civil War can come down to county clerk's offices and file in what is called a Declaration of Marriage book, which we have. So what they did, they would come down there, they were allowed black people to come and say, yes, I was living with so-and-so, we lived as a married couple, we were married by this minister, and they could have, we've been living together since 1830. And so they had to pay, I believe it was 50 cents, which was a lot of money back then, right. 50 cents to get that declaration in the books, and then another 25 cents they had to pay if they wanted a marriage certificate. So they had all their, their they had to declare their marriage. And so then as time progressed and the laws allowed it to be recognized even more, they had to keep the records separate. So in the county clerk's office, we have our marriage books from 1866 to 1968 called the colored marriages. Colored be for black or anybody that have any black percentage of blood in them. And then the other marriage records would be the white marriages. So we got two sets of books because even when you get to Plessy versus Ferguson, the U.S. Supreme Court case in mm -hmm. 18, I think 1896, 1890s, uh, it said we're, 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 we're equal, but we're separate. Right. So that still continued the process of keeping everything separate, everything segregated. And what makes it interesting, in 1958, a Kentucky Act, from Kentucky law said, okay, put all the black and, and white marriages together from going forward, put them all in one book. But the power of a county clerk's office is that although the law says we have to do something, we sometimes have the nature of thinking it's our office, we can do what we want. So Fayette County, instead of doing it in 1958, putting the marriages together, we waited 10 more years to 1968. And the reason why is because after all the civil rights movements in the 60s, that triggered Fayette County and Lexington to say, ah, we better go and start putting everybody together. 
1968. That was not that long ago. Not too long ago. That's crazy to think about. It is. It is. And, and it was illegal for a black person and a white person to get married in Kentucky and other states, too. I'm just focusing on Kentucky. Right. And, 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 and that was illegal. But they recognize black marriages and, and white marriage. But you got to marry your own kind. Do you know when that changed? In Kentucky, it changed after 1967 Supreme Court case. It was called Loving versus Virginia. Uh, a, a white man married a black woman. Um, I believe it was, I can't think where they got, they got married in a state that allowed them to get married. Mm. So they moved um, to somewhere else. And where they moved, they considered it illegal. And so they went back to the area that allowed them to be recognized as married. And after so long, they went back and went to court. And they went to the highest court of our land to, to get approved for being recognized. So at the end of the story, in 1967, Loving versus Virginia, uh, the U.S. Supreme Court said that, yeah, and black and whites can get married. And so Kentucky started considering that case because it's the highest court case. Right. And that sets the precedent, precedent throughout the entire land. So shortly after that, Kentucky said, okay, it's fine. I mean, I guess that's the other part of this access or at least having the ability to access the records is 68 was not a long time ago in the scheme of things and knowing that that existed in a reasonable time frame like my parents were born in the 60s so like in my parents lifetime there was an amount of time a short amount of time but Mm -hmm. an amount of time where these things were separate and illegal like I'm genuinely shocked. That's crazy. Yes, yes, yes. It 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 blows your mind away. It the does. That. Are there? I mean, what would be in a dream scenario? What would be next? So we've got the marriage license. We've got these land records. Mm-hmm. What would be the ideal next step in a project like this? Other than transcribing, some of the things I'm currently doing is starting to educate community organizations and some school systems and colleges to give them a better understanding of history in Kentucky mm. and Lexington. Uh, what I'm teaching applies to all counties in Kentucky because this, this is a statewide issue. Right. Uh, the, the, the laws and way things were treated. Um, I, I believe the platform is to get the information out there teach history correctly in a way to impact today's generation. Let them know this is what existed, this is what happened. So when you see your person you're looking at, do you consider them a human? See, what makes Kentucky strange is when you go to the offices, you won't see any other cultural ethic groups who were in bondage in our records. Mm -hmm. But you see black people, people who were sold and went through so much and separated. Why? Because... Kentucky saw black people at that time, or African-Americans, wherever we want to use that Mm -hmm. phrase, we saw them as personal property, Um, just like a house, a car. They didn't have cars, then horse and buggies, uh, cattle, cows, and Mm -hmm. just a piece of furniture, anything. And that's what, you know, 
belittles the identity and the decency of human life right. by considering them that low. It wasn't just like one tribe came and defeated another tribe and, hey, we won the war. We take you as captives. Right. It, this was uh, stripping the identity of culture and rewriting culture and making a group of people fit into a system that they had struggles to exist. And the government also offices sat there and said, hey, let's make it official. Let's record this stuff. Now, one good thing about it, at least they did record it. Right. So we can search and go back. Mm-hmm. And But the bad thing about it is it is there. Have you had any cool experiences with people who have been look? I immediately go to Yvonne, who found yes. five generations of her family in these mm-hmm. records. Have you got to experience any other moments like that? I have. Uh, over the years, there's been a lot of researchers that we narrowed it down. Uh, Miss Giles know how to dig deeper. Other people, I got them so far, and you got to do a little extra right. homework and census records and put some pieces together. But but over my time, a lot of people have found their genealogy and history mm. that pertains to Kentucky. Some have struggled because uh, sometimes you have the same name of people, and and their last name didn't get adopted till down the line, so it's hard to pinpoint right. accuracy of genealogy. But it can be done. And then it, what it does, it leads other people to an owner. And sometimes in the deed book, it say the owner was from Bourbon County, which is Paris, Kentucky, or from Jasmine County, Nicholasville. Mm-hmm. And then you can go to those offices and do a little more digging oh. and find out a little more. And then it pinpoints their ancestors there. And it may take you to another state. Right. But it's like little breadcrumbs. Little breadcrumbs. Yeah. Now, this is obviously such a big step in, you know, moving forward and people having access and abilities to look up past generations. But there's, I mean, if you're alive in the year 2023, you know that there is still a lot of work to do when it comes to equity and inclusion. And what do you see as being work that Fayette County can can do in those next steps? And the next steps is to motivate each county to understand what they have in that office. Mm. They may know, but to spark interest in caring about the records they have I, and, and, and being mindful of what they have. And we're in this digital age. What can we do to make it easier for people to have access to this information? And maybe each county can know what do we have. Right. And that that's a step. And then two, uh, what more conversations can we have as each county conversates on uh, diversity and understanding one another? That would be helpful. And, and then the third thing, yeah. Uh, I've been trying to push a bill through legislation in Frankfurt. It's called the Air Uniform Heirs Property Act. And from an economical standpoint, what it means is, uh, and it's more for Appalachian Mountain people in mm-hmm. Kentucky, Eastern Kentucky, and then black people as well. After the Civil War, black people uh, were educated enough to have deeds and wills and plat out their land 
and they were very intelligent enough to know to do those legal-type documents. Mm -hmm. But when the Jim Crow laws came in to cause restriction, segregation, uh, not as great legal counsel to help prepare documents or lawyers who prepare documents incorrectly based on uh, prejudicial reasons. That caused uh, a lot of our, our black ancestors in the 1900s to not have wills and, and not have proper legal documents that when they pass away, the property is left to a bunch of heirs. Mm. And so you have a bunch of heirs owning property. The best thing to do now is get with your heirs and, and try to divide the land and solve it. What the problem is, if you get with an heir and try to divide the land, one of the heirs says, I want this, I want that. I don't want to sell. I don't want. So then there's arguments, there's disagreements. Right. So the best thing to do is put the property on the auction block and sell it. Well, that's like slavery all over again. Put it right. on the auction block. Well, most families who are already poor and struggling can't buy their family land. Big investors come in, they buy it. And, and they own the land off of sheriff sale mm -hmm. and our foreclosure sale or master commissioner sale. So uh, I was trying to get a law to where we can consider the value of the land, family who's still paying taxes on it. It's still in great, great grandmother's name mm -hmm. and you're still paying tax. You're still cutting the grass. You're still uh, keeping it clean and neat that maybe our inner circle heirs can get together and try to come up with a way of dividing the land. And that's important because right now, if you have heirs land, you can't more get a mortgage on it. The value of it is low. So if we can put it all in fee simple and people can build homes, that, that raises the value and it increases revenue in the state. Right. So they hesitant on it legislation because it, 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 it's shocking. They know that you can do something now to fix it, mm -hmm. which is true. But if you open that door, we know that it can be sold right. at the auction sale. So what can we do without letting it go to the auction sale? What can we do as an inner family, as a group of people to come together to solve our own land that our ancestors worked hard for and earned in 1865, 1866, 1867, some prior to the Civil War. Okay, we are going to move into our second segment which we call BGCF Fast Facts, where I'm going to give you a question, and without thinking about it too much, you're going to give me the first answer that pops up. Oh, I'm going to be thinking too much, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Are, are you ready? Uh, no. <laughs> I try. What are you reading right now? Mm, the Bible. Love that. That's your job. Mm -hmm. That's exciting. What are you watching right now? Law and Order. SVU, Organized Crime, and then the first one that comes on at 8 o'clock, oh, just general law and order. I just started watching that more this year. Elliot Stabler? Yes. Love him. Yes. Mm. Yes, he's good. What are you listening to right now? Nothing much, really. Okay. Are you like a radio guy? Are you a Spotify guy? Okay. I listen to more um, spe speaking, uh, maybe Martin okay. Luther King speeches, mm. those type of things. Love that. What are you eating right now? <laughs> Junk food, <laughs> which I shouldn't. <laughs> I'm trying to cut back. I can't help it. I can't stay away from it. 
What are you most scared of? It's not too much I'm afraid of. I guess getting older. Mm -hmm. What are you most proud of? Uh, type of person I have become. My character. Who do you look up to? My mother. She was a good influence in my life. What are you most looking forward to? Living a good life. My wife and I, we be fine and um, retire, mm. enjoy life. Do you have retirement plans? Are you staying in Lexington? Well, look like the way the economy's going. We'll be working till we're in our 90s. Yeah, if retirement ever happens. Yes. Why do you love our community? Lexington is a, is a diverse community. It, it has potential to grow even better as far as opportunities for all people. It's a city, big city, but not too big. Mm -hmm. And it's not too small. It has enough to offer. True. Why do you love yourself? It's a big Why one. Why do I love myself? Yeah. Because I'm told to treat others the way I treat myself. Mm. So if I love myself, then I can treat others with love. Mm. Last question. Where can people find you, get in touch with you, learn more about the Digital Access Project, maybe volunteer if you all need help? How can people do that? You can reach me at the Fayette County Clerk's Office. My name is Shay Brown, extension 251. You can dial the number 859-253-3344. If our phone room picks up, just ask for Shay. Or you can reach me by email. It's fccprojects.com at FayetteCountyClerk.com. It's all one word, FCC Projects at FayetteCountyClerk.com. Shay, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. This has been wonderful. Uh, this, is, this is my first podcast. <gasps> oh, my gosh. I didn't know that. Yeah. We would have brought balloons. We would have had cake or something. Yes, we should have did something. Yeah, yeah, podcast. Ooh. Okay, <laughs> we'll figure this out. Okay, it's not going to be your last you're going to come back. And you're I, gonna... I will come back. I'm better prepared. Like I told you in the beginning, I'm better at speaking in front of the audience people. It's podcast, but I, I'm You know what we at... should do? Mm -hmm. We should have you come in here and just, because you're also a phenomenal writer. We should just mm -hmm. have you come in here and do like a reading. I could do that too. I would love that. Funny thing, I was working with the BCTC class uh -huh. before I left, and I told him, I said, I got, I'm sorry, I got to get out of here. I'm doing a podcast. And it was a younger group, and they said, "What's the podcast going to be on?" They was like, "I said, well, it, I told who uh -huh. your name." Uh -huh. I said, "Bluegrass Community Foundation, mm -hmm. Courtney." And they said, "Okay, we'll write that down. We'll write that. When would it come out?" I said, "I don't know." They said, "That's all we do. We listen to podcasts." We said, "I was like, I'm just doing my first one." Okay, I mean, shout out I mean, to that class. Yeah, shout out to that class. We will as soon Real as state class at BCTC. The teacher is Sherry. Just met her today. I will Hi, fill Ms. her Sherry. in with more. <laughs> We will provide the link, and okay. people can listen. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. Thank you so much, Shay. Thank I'll you. I'll see you later. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Do Good Radio Hour, brought to you by Bluegrass Community Foundation.
We'll be back next week right here on Radio Lex, or you can listen to us anytime on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. In the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at BGCFKY, or visit us at BGCF.org to stay up to date on all of the latest giving and do-good opportunities in our community. Until next time, I'm Courtney Turner. Do good and be well. You are listening to the Do Good Radio Hour on Radio Lex, WLXU 93.9 LP FM Lexington. Our theme song is Happy Tune, written and performed by Brother Smith. The views expressed on this podcast are not necessarily the views of Radio Lex, its board of directors, or Bluegrass Community Foundation. The views expressed are solely my own and the guests'.